Welcome to the podcast for people turning the great American RV adventure into stressless camping. We're glad you joined our weekly adventure. Now let's gather around the campfire with our hosts, Peggy and Tony Barthel. Welcome to the campfire. She's Peggy. And he's Tony. And today we're talking RV kitchen hacks. Right. Peggy and I used to own a bed and breakfast and... We had nine guest rooms, so there were 18 people there on a really good day. We had a residential kitchen, and so one of the things we learned with that is that preparation was the key to success, and that way we were able to get 18 breakfasts out in a timely manner. Right, and we always tried to do it with the freshest foods possible. We didn't want to just take something out of the freezer and pop it in the microwave and serve it to somebody. That's how we live our own lives, too, is we would much rather have fresh foods than frozen foods and, you know, packaged foods or prepackaged foods and all that. Right, but that takes some extra time and some extra planning. Yeah, but the payoff is yummy food. The payoff is worth it. Yeah. So uh, these are some of the hacks that we've developed. And some we've ripped off. (laughs) For making food prep in a tiny kitchen a, a little bit more tolerable. We have a small camp trailer and we literally have two sections of counter that are three to four inches wide. We have no workspace. Nope. And when the weather is good, we also don't bother to put up the dinette because we're going to spend most of the time outside. So the dinette gets used as a lounge. Yeah. Basically, we're just sitting there. We're just uh, sitting there. And so, it's good, especially if there are mosquitoes and then I'm inside and y'all are outside. <laughs> right. I just said y'all. Y'all. So we don't uh, even have that table for a workspace. So we have to come up with some kind of clever ways to have a little bit of space in the camper and also to not need so much space in the camper. Yeah. Yeah. Especially not need because in my opinion, as much as I love to cook and I love to eat when I'm camping, I basically just want to be goofing off and and that's the best thing. So chopping veggies and doing food prep is not necessarily stressless camping for Tony. So we try before we go camping to prepare some meals dole them out into individual portions, put them in Tupperware so they fit easily into the refrigerator, and then we can just heat things up when we're ready to eat. We have one of those things that I think every Costco shopper has, and that's one of those vacuum food things that where you get the plastic and you shrink the food in a vacuum machine. And we have one of those, and doing individual meals and then vacuum sealing them so that we can just basically heat and eat that, that's been kind of good, although not for everything, because a lot of stuff you just want fresh. Right. So sometimes it's just a matter of vacuum sealing stuff in bags and labeling it and kind of planning your, your meals in advance, and uh, you're, you're ready to go, and food prep is lickety split. I think that those things can even be used to marinate food. Oh, absolutely. Oh, they totally can. They, you, if you, uh, like if you have, while well, we, over the weekend, we went camping and we had tri-tip and the tri-tip was marinated in one of those vacuum bags and God, that was so good. So yummy. Yeah. So that too, but it's nice because RV fridges are tiny. RV counter space, even the biggest one, your prep space is somewhat limited. It's better to not need it. So what we like to do then is to get everything prepared ahead of time, either marinated or chopped up and 
put into containers so that we don't have to do all that stuff. We don't have to find room or time to do all those things while we're camping. Right. And for one example, we have a friend who makes something called walking tacos, and she chops up all the veggies, she pre-cooks the meat, and then on when it's her night to make dinner, she warms the meat up and gives us individual bags of chips, and we build our tacos inside that bag and eat them with a fork. Yeah, just walking tacos is what she calls them, and it's all the various things. I've also We've also done it in bowls. We have done it in bowls, which I prefer because I don't know where the chips are in relationship to everything else when it's inside the bag although they sure put a lot of air in those bags but that's okay because it makes space for all all the veggies yeah veggies nothing it's the grilled (laughs) chicken or the meat (laughs) so the other the thing that that we like to do a lot is again we had a bed and breakfast so breakfast is kind of our go-to meal even if it's not breakfast time and i (laughs) (laughs) i came up with well i experimented a lot and found a quiche recipe that I totally love. It has just a few ingredients. It's easy to whip up. It's easy to cook up. And so when there's time before a camp trip, we pre-make them and maybe make them in small, like bite-sized pieces if we're going to do like a potluck or in like large muffin tins so that we each have a serving. Or if we're doing a group breakfast, I will make it right in the camper in the morning and then I just put it in a pie pan and use a crust so the egg doesn't stick and make quiches and it only takes a bowl yeah it doesn't take a whole lot of space it's really fast and easy and man it tastes really good real men can eat quiche and this one (laughs) is a good one I really kind of call it when people don't want to eat it because it's quiche I call it cheese pie because it's really just cheese pie yeah, and we have a picture. So uh, we made individual ones in, you know, those big muffin pans. We made a bunch of individual ones and uh, made them in advance and then just brought them to our annual Christmas camping event. And I just heated them up on the outdoor barbecue along right, with some which, sausages. Which makes it nice because then the uh, smoke alarm didn't go off for yeah. that meal. Yeah, the <laughs> which it does for every meal. Yeah, in our trailer, you know <laughs> someone's cooking when the smoke alarm is ringing. So using the outdoor barbecue grill is something we do quite often, uh, either to rewarm things that we've already made or to just cook our food. Uh, we had two of them go in last weekend, one for tri-tips and one for zucchini strips. Yeah, the barbecue grill. It's, you know, a lot of trailers come with that little very... Um, let's just say not fancy outdoor barbecue, but we actually use the heck out of that thing. I mean, it once you get used to it, it's, it's not horrible. Right. And, you know, the other thing about that barbecue grill is that little table that hooks on the side of the camper is more counter space than we have inside. Yeah, isn't that weird? They, there's more <laughs> counter space outside our trailer than in. So, But we have developed a, uh, a hack for that, too. Right. So even if you're outside, whether you're outside or inside, what we have found is that a plastic camp table, especially the ones that adjust the legs up to counter height, fits really well inside the camper as long as no one's trying to sit in there. And it gives us a lot of counter space to work on if we need it. And then we can do the work we need either inside or outside on that table. Not one to ever leave well enough alone. I think we've described that our travel trailer has a Murphy bed and it also had 
notice the past tense, mm-hmm. a couch mm-hmm. in there. Well, I one day had to replace the couch because it imploded. And uh, when it was out, I noticed, God, there's there's a lot of space there's in there. a lot with, of no. space in there without a couch. And so, I don't know, a year later, I think after much uh, coercing and finagling. It, I, it took a little bit of of convincing. Yeah, convincing. Yeah. But, you know, you... <laughs> You uh, say something enough times and it becomes fact. And sure enough, I uh, I took the couch out just to demonstrate to my dear wifey that, yes, the trailer is better without a couch. But unbeknownst to her, that was when I was still in the RV business, I already sold the couch. I took it out, took it to work. It was gone. Yeah, I thought we were storing it in the garage just in case. And the nope. next day he said it was sold. Yeah. So, so that- it's a good thing I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've I've figured her out after all these years. <laughs> to some extent. I mean, I wouldn't if I knew she'd be upset, obviously I wouldn't have done that. But uh it, it was a good idea. So the bottom line to that is we now have more kitchen space because when we need that prep space, we just bring in those adjustable height table and uh bing bang boom, we've got cutting surface, prep surface, and all of that. So we have, I can't even say, it's probably 10 times as much as was in the trailer (laughs) originally, and then it can go outside and be our serving table after that. Yep. We do tend to camp with a bunch of other people. We are are those people that come with a bunch of friends. Right, and so we kind of plan meals together and take turns making meals. And so sometimes we are cooking for several people, Sometimes we're just alone and we just need a small amount of food. You know, of course, it's going to vary for every trip. Uh, But one of the things that we found, especially if we're cooking, you know, several items or a a multi-part dish for a lot of people, is the nesting pots. In any RV, the amount of space in the RV is limited. It's even in a, you know, 40-foot RV, there's still a limited amount of space. It's not as limited as in a 19-foot travel trailer, but (laughs) one of the solutions to that is use less space. And one of the items we found that we really, really like are these magma nesting pans, and we bought those on Amazon. There'll be a link in the show notes. And, man, the the quality, I like really high-quality cookware, and we have spent thousands of dollars at home on cookware, which we used in the B&B and we still use. And these are not that far off from those really expensive stainless steel pans but magma makes pans that are induction compliant they make pans that are non-stick they make stainless steel so there are several varieties they're really good quality and they're um i want to say they're heavy because they're heavy duty they don't feel cheap and and they are not super lightweight but they're not too heavy to keep in the camper right but the fact that they all stack together and then they they even come with like a little bungee cord so they all hold themselves together is is a big plus and really takes away from the amount of space that your pots and pans take and of course the pots and pans can also double as a mixing bowl uh, there's a strainer slash um, steamer, and so I use that as a strainer, and I use it as a uh, as a steamer. And I think once on a drunken night, he used it as a hat, but I, I won't switch. Nah, I don't know about all that. <laughs> Who, me? I would never do never. that. Oh, God. <laughs> Another way that we like to save space is to, in the refrigerator, rather than pack a bottle of ketchup and a bottle of mayonnaise, a jar of mayonnaise and all the full-size 
containers of everything is we got a great tip from our friend Corey Disney and he saves up the packages of ketchup and mayonnaise and soy sauce and things that he gets at fast food restaurants and he just keeps those in his camping gear so that they take up just a small amount of space they are in those packets I don't think that any of those things have to be refrigerated so they're good to just kind of keep in there through the whole season and then whatever you need when you need it you have it another neat thing that we've found is the magnetic spice holder so i like to use really good quality fresh spices and rubs and that kind of stuff and on the back of our one of our cabinets i put basically a piece of metal and magnetic spice holder so again not taking any valuable flat surface area they're stuck to the back of a cabinet where the door swings up and look up and there's all your fresh spices and you don't have to bring the entire bottle having these little containers means you you have pre-portioned your spices as well right including alderwood smoked sea salt one of my absolute favorite things so mm -mm. yeah if you uh there's a spice shop called savory they sell by mail order but we we like to go in and just take a whiff of this place and they have spices and salts and all this great stuff that oh, it's fantastic. And that so. Alderwood sea salt is a must for any kitchen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Check it out. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. It's it's good stuff. So on the off chance that we have leftovers after any of our meals. <laughs> <laughs> well, we portioned it all out. We did. Um But we kind of tend to think that people eat like we do and not all of our friends eat like we do. So sometimes they share a serving. Oh my God. Crazy. So we end up with some leftovers and we, when we were in Quartzite, we found a set of silicone f- collapsible. S- yeah. They're like bowls. They storage know, storage, <laughs> storage bowls. containers. They have lids that snap on. I, they have a little vent in them so you can use them in the microwave. But if you're not using them or if you have just a small amount, you can leave them uh, folded and flattened and they're they don't take up very much space at all and then if you need to fill them up you pop it open and it makes a bigger bowl yeah it's kind of cool and then they you know they kind of mash flat so storage of the empty containers after the fact is is handy too yeah you pretty much can put the whole set of containers in about the size of the biggest container yeah it's pretty cool so a lot of ways of making use of space another thing to do i had mentioned the magnetic spice containers and they don't take up any sort of floor space in the cabinets well we also have over the cabinet um paper towel holders and things like that. So again, you're not using the floor space in your cabinets, which can be valuable. And then, of course, we leave the coffee pot on the stove all weekend. Yeah. (laughs) We don't put that away. No, because we might need coffee. We're going to need it. When we really want a much larger kitchen, of course, again, recognizing that some RVs do have a larger kitchen, but we bought one of those outdoor camp kitchens, which is kind of like a canvas folding macgyver type of thingamajigger (laughs) it's not really it's aluminum more than canvas well i know it's but it's sort of like the it's like the chairs that we have except it's a kitchen instead right so it's a it's an aluminum fold up frame and you unfold it and there's a couple of tables that fold out and then it's got like a plastic tub that attaches to it that is a sink so it's good for if you were 
tent camping and that was all the kitchen space you had. Those two tables can work as, you know, places to put your stove or whatever, but we just use it to wash dishes because I am not a big fan of paper plates in general. There's certain times for them and the ones that will go in the fire pit are okay, but I'm just really not a fan of throwaway stuff. So I always, I almost always insist that we use real dishes, which means I almost always wash those dishes because it wouldn't be fair to make Tony do that when I'm the one that insists on using them. <laughs> but by the way, Peggy's uh, education is in geology, so she is uh, all a fan of preserving this place that we call home, Mother Earth. And I like it too because, you know, I kind of live here most of the time. <laughs> um, and so what we've done, another nice thing about using the outdoor kitchen or the outdoor, you know, that that outdoor kitchen thing. So we put it in the back of the trailer by we have an outdoor shower. And after a couple of uh, warnings from the police, I no longer use the outdoor shower myself. <laughs> but... <laughs> But we do use we do use it as an outdoor kitchen, and the nice thing is it doesn't fill up our gray tank if we're boondocking, and uh, it also makes there you know we don't have to worry about splashing water and all that. We're we're outside, and and the water drains into uh, like a container, and then we can take it and dispose of it properly. The other thing that we can do when we're in the great outdoors using our using as much outdoor space as possible is cook on the fire pit. Oh yeah. And the best way to cook on the fire pit is with grub sticks. Yep, there was a recipe that they posted recently where it's a hash brown sandwich. Oh dear god. Oh, it, it was it was fantastic. We we had to try it. We had to try it. In addition to the grilled cheese sandwiches, the s'mores of course, the the what the grub sticks guys called woofums because you woof them down so fast. <laughs> <laughs> the hot dogs, the bacon cups, and and pretty much anything you cook with grub sticks, you don't need a plate. So I don't have to wash dishes and I don't have to be angry at people for ruining the environment. Right. Everybody wins. One of the sides, we do live in Northern California, and, of course, fire is something that we're a little itchy about i mean it it has i think we all have a little kind of nervousness in fire season and so the grub stick works really well we have an outdoor propane fire pit that we bring with us and it works really well with that too and of course if somebody builds a regular wood campfire works with that too yep works on whatever fire you know what we put Brussels sprouts wrapped in bacon because you know why wouldn't you we do in the grub stick and we've cooked that I've cooked that over the barbecue that's true that is so yes you can use your grub stick on a barbecue we've done the that's how we've done the the Brussels sprouts yeah right so by the way there's your hot tip (laughs) take some Brussels sprouts go get you some bacon wrap the bacon around the Brussels sprout stick it in the grub stick and oh god it is it's so good. It is so good. And if you look at the Grubstick website, they actually put a couple more ingredients between the Brussels sprout and the bacon. But I don't know. The first time I tried it, I was lazy and I put bacon and Brussels sprouts and it was good enough for me. Yeah, it was that was good enough for me. <laughs> so that was that was another thing. And again, it's minimum prep. It's bacon and Brussels sprouts. And you cut the bacon in half and wrap it around the Brussels sprout and 
that that's you're done no salt you don't have to do anything it's the bacon acts as your seasoning man this is the brussels sprouts episode <laughs> well so there you hopefully you've got some good tips to minimize the amount of space that it takes for a camper kitchen and ease up uh some of the prep time and make for a stressless camping getaway and if you have any tips you'd like to add don't forget to contact us on the website or in all the social media places and and add your ideas we will add them to the show notes for the podcast and and we're always super excited to learn new things thank you and uh, hopefully this helps what is that horrible racket i bought a fortune cookie machine that way I can give out cookies to tell everybody that they can share their car shows on the curbside car show calendar and listen to a fun podcast about vintage cars for free. It is free. You don't need a fortune. And anyone can share their car shows right from any smartphone or computer. How much did this thing cost anyway? Uh, a fortune. Chong Fu Han Fang Kwang. Hey, where did you learn that? Cookies. My husband is insane, but curbside.tv is a great place to get the word out about your car shows and enjoy a fun podcast about vintage cars, and it's always free. All right, everybody, welcome back. We are very fortunate to have the chief skunk from the world-famous skunk train, Robert Panoli. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and for making the trek to Fort Bragg. Absolutely. And I'm sure a few people are going to ask, wait, skunk train? What What in the world? Why would you call a train a skunk train? It's, uh, it's one of our most common questions. And you're right. Why would you call a train the skunk train? Well, skunk train, uh, we got our nickname in 1925. And you know, it became really quite famous for us in 1959 when National Geographic did a story entitled The Friendly Train Called the Skunk. But back in the day, we had single-unit self-propelled rail cars that had gas-powered engines and pot-bellied stoves. They burned a combination of the gas and the crude oil and the stoves inside to keep folks warm. And as the trains uh, traveled from Fort Bragg inland, the ocean breezes allowed the smell to oftentimes get ahead of the little buses. And the old timer said that these buses were very much so like skunks. You could always smell them before you could see them. That makes sense. So it's it's nothing today where it's gonna it's gonna leave a, a foul scent in your nose. It's actually, in fact, you I've been on the skunk train so many times. I have the coolest story. So when I was a little kid, my parents drove up to Northern California. And we did a lot of these trips, and, and we happened to go through Willits and saw, oh, the skunk train. Well, I've always been a train nerd my whole life. And uh, I, we saw the skunk trains, and we found, oh, it goes from Willits to Fort Bragg. And so, of course, my dad and I bought a ticket. My mom chased the train over the hill to Fort Bragg. And we have a video of, uh, well, it's, of course, Super 8 movies because I'm old. At least they're in color. And the engineer is a gentleman who we still know today. It was Jim Baskin. Oh, wow. Isn't that crazy? A small world. Yeah, I was 10, and he was older than that. So, so it's so He was 12, funny. right? Probably. <laughs> driving the, the skunk chain. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so where... Now, of course, to tie this into camping, the Willits KOA... You can actually board the skunk train right from the campground. Absolutely. We've had a long standing relationship and partnership with the Willits KOA. 
the uh, tracks of the railroad when they depart the Willits Depot pass right through backside of the Willits KOA. And so um, if you're a guest staying at the KOA, uh, you can simply walk to the back of the property and the train will stop and pick you up there and take you on an excursion and then bring you back uh, to the KOA. So uh, for those who also don't know, the skunk train goes through an incredible forest of redwood trees. So it it goes from uh, either Fort Bragg on the coast or Willits inland. And and aboard the train, you see an incredible forest of of these beautiful ancient trees. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the railroad's given name or the name that the railroad started out with that we still use to this day is the California Western Railroad. In a, I mean, nobody really knows us by that today. It's really the skunk train. But, you know, one of our trademark names is that we are the Redwood Route. And um, for good reason, the predominant tree over the 40 miles of railroad that span between Fort Bragg and Willits is the coastal redwood or the Sequoia Sempervirin. It's the tallest grown species known to humankind. And uh, it just so happens that our train, you know, transports people uh, through the Redwood Forest. It's just absolutely breathtaking. Yeah, it it truly is. I mean, it's, it's quite an adventure. And you have a number of unique ways of transporting people. Of course, you have, I guess, a proper train. You have the rail buses, I guess they're called. Yeah, the motor cars or the rail buses. Mm-hmm. And then there's something new. There is something new. We, uh, we launched them sort of softly or quietly last year, if you will, and did a full-on launch of this experience in 2019, and that is our rail bikes. They are a two-person recumbent-style bike uh, that you um, pedal, sit side by side. The bikes we built ourselves, and you travel down the tracks. Rail bikes are really, they're nothing new to railroads. I mean, rail bikes um, existed the turn of the past century, um, late 1800s, uh, early 1900s. And as a result of that, we have really brought them back in sort of a modern day fashion. Our bikes, of course, they are pedal powered, but if for some reason somebody were to poop out, the bikes do all have electric assist. So you can just toggle the button and simply buzz up the hill and nobody will ever know the difference. Yeah, and, and again, the, the view that you get, the the place you go through is just absolutely fantastic. So it it's definitely one of the tourist trains that you're going to want to hook up with on here on the west coast it's it's absolutely beautiful so if i didn't want to ride the rail bike which i do (laughs) what uh what other options do i have for rides on the train so the two trips that we're offering right at the moment are uh we have a trip from fort bragg and a trip from willits from willits we'll start with the wolf tree turn and that's a two-hour round trip from willits up through tunnel number two down into the noyo river canyon where we make a stop at crowley large meadow at Crowley where passengers can get off the train and then return back. The nice thing is about that trip is is that if you're a passing motorist on Highway 101, it's something that you can pop off for for a brief couple of hours. You don't lose your whole day and you can carry back on heading north or south. So that's uh, that trip is something that we've offered um, throughout the last decade um, and we've sort of intermixed it with uh, some of the other trips that we've offered but it's, uh, it is the core trip that we're offering right now out of Willits. 
from Fort Bragg, we're offering the Pudding Creek Express. And that's a short one-hour trip down along the Pudding Creek Estuary and return. Wonderful opportunity to see, you know, blue heron, egret, uh, river otters, turtles, ducks, uh, you name it, occasional deer, and really immerse yourself in the railroading experience, but not spend, you know, an entire day doing it. Uh, it gives you it gives you a lot of options. One of the things, if you're on the motor car, you actually are, it's, for lack of a better description, it's sort of like a big bus in that you are in the car with the engineer, can actually see him or her controlling the train. And that's, that's for a foamer like me, hmm. I, I really dig that. And by the way, for those of you who don't know, there are rail fans, which are people who really appreciate trains. And then there are people called foamers. <laughs> I qualify as a foamer. Um, we uh, Yes, you're right. So for, for somebody who really enjoys trains, the, ra- uh, the, the motor car or the rail bus experience really is something pretty special for a variety of reasons because you are, there is a lot of one-on-one interaction and you are right there, in essence, in the cab riding with the engineer so you know if you're fortunate enough to snag that front seat right across from the the um the motor car operator you know you've got bird's eye view yeah it's pretty cool and then do you still offer cab rides in the locomotive we absolutely do on the wolf tree turn out of willets passengers can purchase a ticket to ride in the cab of the locomotive and so they are up in the cab um, with the engineer, and that is really something pretty impressive. Yeah, again, for the rail fan. But if you're not a rail fan, just the majesty of these incredible trees in this setting are not to be missed. It's it's absolutely spectacular, and you'll want to come and, and take a ride and look at these trees, some of which are thousands of years old, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, CR the railroad was founded by CR Johnson um and 1885 is when we were founded. So this is our 134th year of continuous operation. CR Johnson was a lumberman. Uh he grew up in or he was born in Racine, Wisconsin and moved out west in search of California's gold, but not the gold that we all studied in grade school. He really was after something else and that was the coastal redwood. As much of the is that he was a lumberman that he was an industrialist he was also a conservationist he believed in protecting stands of trees so that future generations could experience this area that he absolutely fell in love with that is still true out there today the corridor that the railroad passes through um the stands of trees that have been protected is immense and you know you are a part of living breathing history when you are on board the skunk so you know being able to go through some of these stands of trees where they are thousands of years old is um is really quite impressive the people on board really do elaborate on the history of the area both from a natural standpoint and man's standpoint and i like to hear the the story of how they log these trees in the old days it would take days to cut these trees down some of them are like 30, 40 feet across, right? The coastal redwood, um, which is a part of the sequoia family, that's the sequoia uh, sempervirin, grows much taller than it does wide at the base, which its cousin in in around Yosemite National Park 
Uh, that's the Sequoia gigantea, and they grow much wider around the base. However, some of the trees that they took down from from this area had immensely huge bases. And uh, here adjacent to the depot in Fort Bragg is the Guest House Museum. And um, uh, just outside the Guest House Museum's front doors is a section of a tree that is cut out that, frankly, you could, if it were still a stump, you could hold a dance on. And there are also trees that you can drive through in this in this area. Absolutely, right? They're yeah. They're so wide that you can... They're hollowed out at the bottom, and you're able to drive a car through them. Absolutely. As long as you have a, a smaller or a more compact car, you can definitely drive your vehicle through, and that's certainly something not to be missed. Right. Yeah. We, every Our neighbors time we, to the north. Every time we buy a new car, we drive it up and drive it through the trees. <laughs> that's, <just cool. laughs> that's, our, we, that's our first big trip. Yeah, we have an article about that on stressless camping. And um, so... The ancient trees are a treasure. You also have another treasure aboard that I really appreciate, and that's uh, Greg Schindel, the train singer. Yes, absolutely. Greg has been with us for uh, almost three decades now, and um, you know it started out where he was bringing uh, his students. He was a, a music school teacher and a substitute teacher for a number of years, and he was bringing students on board the train. His love of trains clearly runs far deeper than, you know, when he was a, a school teacher. He's been with us uh, for about three decades, and you can generally catch Greg on the Willett side of our line, where he performs and entertains for passengers on board. He is just a showman extraordinaire, and I heard uh, his son Malachi is is. Even more so. I, I haven't experienced his music yet. Malachi, you know, brings his own twist to uh, music and to entertaining on the skunk train. It's really great to have both that father-son combination on board the train out of uh, out of Willits. We have entertainment on the Fort Bragg side, and uh, uh, that's actually done by a, a young gentleman, Johnny the Gandy Dancer. And, oh, um, and Johnny does a fantastic job as well. Huh, that's pretty cool. Yes, yeah, so you get history, you you get the experience of riding a train. There's music, there's uh, food and beer, and it it's it's a great experience. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've ridden the skunk train, but I never grow tired of it. So if you're traveling to Northern California, you you won't want to miss this. This is definitely something you want to make time for. And you can do some stressless camping and and have a great side excursion as well aboard the skunk train or or ride ride the bikes or it's it's just wonderful. So I encourage it heartily. Well, thank you. Any other things that we should uh tell everybody i would say that our our full schedule is available on the skunk trains website which is skunktrain.com um we of course are uh connected uh via facebook and instagram so folks can go and um you know post photos about their trip or check out some of the photos from uh, previous guests who've been on board as well yeah and we actually have a ton of raw footage for a video that we <laughs> i got it get it edited and put together so we'll have that on stressless camping too and lots of pictures and a direct link to the skunk train website and thank you very much for your time well thank you we really appreciate your um again making the trek over to fort bragg and um and being a part of your um your show it was a pleasure and now we have to go do our fort bragg shopping
Well, there you have it. Hopefully you uh, enjoyed the virtual ride aboard the skunk train. It was neat talking to Robert Pinoli. He's a great guy. Uh, we have a new feature this week, and that's the place of the week. And those places of the week are where you can find stressless camping cards that tell the world about our little podcast and website and all. And the place of the week is Redwood Empire RVs in Ukiah, California. It's a it's a family-owned RV dealership, great prices. They've got great service. There's just super neat people. So if you happen to be in Ukiah, you can pick up a stressless camping card. And thank you for allowing us to put them there. How would somebody get hold of us, sweetie? You could go to www.stresslesscamping.com. Mm, that's a good place. From there, you can jump off to all the places we are, like Facebook and Instagram. and Pinterest. Oh, Pinterest. <laughs> yeah, so all of that. And we're all over the social media. And most of all, you can find us at the campground, where we hope to run into you soon. That's right. In the meantime, happy, happy camping. camping. We hope you enjoyed this week's adventure. Time to get out on your own journey. But don't forget to leave the review on your favorite podcast app and visit StresslessCamping.com for photos, stories, an RV calendar, and more. I'm Stressless Camper Larry Richardson wishing you happy camping.